Amen. It's good to be in the house of God. It's not always easy to follow a service like this morning. Feels like you uh, pretty much topped out. That's good. Thank you. But we are so blessed to have had God to visit us. So blessed to have had God visit us in such an awesome, awesome way. And I, too, love you, Danny. <laughs> I, I thought yesterday at the funeral, when I walked by the casket to watch, to look up on the 28-year-old mom with her baby laying in her arms, it was such a sad occasion. But I thought about the grief of the family that was going through. But then I thought of some other things as I sat there and I came on my way home. How blessed I was and am to have seen all of my children grow up and still alive. To have seen all of their children grow up and still alive to see my great-grandchildren growing. I'm a blessed person. I am a blessed person. And I know you are too, probably. You can think of many things you're blessed for. I try to think of some of those things sometimes when I want to complain and grumble, and I do my share of it because these old bones ain't what they used to be. And uh, I don't stand as long as I used to could. I don't walk as far as I used to could. There's a lot of things I don't do that I used to could do better. But I'm still blessed and highly favored of God. I'm going to read a scripture in John chapter 4 verse 14 and then in Genesis chapter 26 and verse 18. And we'll read Genesis first, Genesis 26 and verse 18. My subject tonight is one that has been on my heart for now six weeks. I have been pondering this message, even though I didn't have it all written down till four weeks ago, or about four weeks ago, as time changes sometimes on you and you don't recall. But um, because of the weeks and months and years that we are presently living in, we see the destruction of our country as it takes place before our very eyes. We see the destruction of the world as a whole and the countries that are whole and the suffering people are going through for nothing, for no reason whatsoever, other than men just angry with themselves, angry with each other. And we see such, such destruction taking place in our, in our lives, and I, I can't help but to think, surely Jesus is coming soon. The part that I have difficulty with sometime, Brother Roger, is that these things must come to pass. There must be a certain amount of things that happen in order for Jesus to be ushered in on the scene according to the Scripture. And thinking on these things makes me turn to myself and think of my own life and my relationship with Jesus. How close am I to God? How close I am, am I to Jesus Christ? How much do I love Him? 
How committed am I to him? What kind of fellowship do I have with him? And this old message come to my heart the other day as I sat in the office contemplating on these things and contemplating on my own life. And sometimes back in the neon of time, I preached a sermon that something went something like this. I think I'm not sure. Somebody may be here like Sister Ruth tonight and will be able to recall it or Sister Mavis or somebody. But because I couldn't find the notes to it, I wanted to find the notes to it and just go over it and read it. I couldn't find any. I don't know what happened to them, but I couldn't find any. I keep all of my sermon notes. But I couldn't find these, and so as I sat in my office and this wouldn't leave me, I just sat down and, and uh, come up with notes for a new one. Don't know how close they are to the old one. Don't care, really, because... I said, the first time I get an opportunity, I'm going to preach this sermon. And Sister Burke called me the very next day after I said that, sitting in my office to myself, and I didn't have it even together. And she said, I want you to preach on for me on a certain Sunday. I said, okay, because that was so fresh on my mind, I jumped right into it, not even thinking about whether physically I could. And so I put the sermon together, and I preached it at Sister Brewer's. And it had never left me. And when Pastor Danny asked me the last day or two, whatever it was, to preach this evening, I said, I know what I'm going to preach already. There's no question about it. No, no wondering about it. I'm going to preach the same sermon I preached to Sister Brewers. And if somebody else calls me, I may do the same thing to them. I don't know. I figure a sermon is good as long as humans are on the earth. Amen. Amen. And the title of my sermon is Redigging the Wells of Salvation. Redigging the Wells of Salvation. The problem with us many times is if we've been Christians a long time, we have a tendency to let things accumulate in our lives. We have a tendency to let things accumulate to the point sometimes that they hinder our forward progress in the Lord. And if there has ever been a time there's ever been a time in my lifetime that we need to be as close to God as we can be. It's this time. There's ever been a time that we need to be on fire for the Lord. It's this hour in which I'm living. Far as I can tell and concern as I read all of the stuff that's going on, and I look into it, the more I understand that I need to be ready for in such an hour as I think not, the Son of Man cometh and will come. In, Gen in Genesis chapter 26, verse 18, And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Wells have an interesting history in the Old Testament, but I can't deal with the wells themselves as such. I don't have time to talk about all of it. But I think it's important for us to look back sometimes to move forward some more. I think it's important for us to sometimes look back at our lives in order to move forward. And I think it's important for us sometimes to let our children see us and let our children know about these things. 
I've told my, my family that I have written down things over the years. I've written down things that I call this I remember for the sake of when I'm not here no more that the great-grandkids maybe can read it and get something from it and do something with it. And I think sometimes I would like to have recorded more than what I have, but I got a thing about that thick of it, and so that ought to be enough to suffice for something or another. First, back in Genesis chapter 20, 10, 21, Abraham dug a well of water, the first well he ever dug. Because there was a drought in the land. Abraham dug a well of water, but Abraham didn't get to drink of this water or use this water because the enemy came in and took it away from him and took it away from him so he was not able to use the water. And so he had to dig again. So he dug a lot of wells because of the drought. Water is a source of life. Without water, you can't survive. You're going to have to have water. And I think about sometimes after we, when I grew up, where I grew up, we had a well that we used for water. And by and by, we got city water, so to speak, or country water, whatever you want to call it. We lived 12 miles from the nearest little town. But they put in a well there, and they brought water in a pipeline out to our house. The first thing you know, the well had sort of gone bad or whatever. And then we had one of them hurricanes to come through, and we had no water because the well didn't have no current in Bucatuna to pump water to us. And we wished that we was back to the old well again. But we weren't. We couldn't do anything about it. And water is, is important. It is also a source of spiritual life, spiritual water is also a source of spiritual life. So John said in the fourth chapter and the 14th verse, he said, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. Let's keep this thought in mind. The enemy's goal is to stop up the well. The enemy's goal is to stop up the flow of spiritual nourishment that's coming to us called the water of life. The enemy's goal is to destroy that process in our life. Abraham had a number of wells dug due to dryness in the land. But the enemy of God after his death called the Philistines came along and put stuff in every one of the wells and stopped the flow of water in all of those wells. Now my question first was why not use the water? Why did you have to stop up the wells? Why was the purpose of stopping up the wells? Surely they had to have water themselves. But because of their anger and frustration with Abraham and his blessings, they stopped up the wells. This is just like the enemy. He will endeavor to stop up the wells. Why not use the water? We're not, we're not blessed and don't want you blessed either. That's the attitude sometimes of people even today. It, like the service we had this morning. There's not everybody likes one of those services. Everybody don't care for one of them kind of moves of God. It makes them nervous. Everybody's not interested in a deep move of God, an outpouring of the river. Everybody's not interested in a breakthrough that shakes the house, so to speak, spiritually. Why? Because we won't get in and we don't want nobody else in either. We'd rather everybody be lost. But hear me tonight, church, there comes a time in our life when we got to forget about what everybody else wants and we got to decide what 
we want for ourselves. We've got to decide where we want to spend eternity. We have to decide what we're going to do about what our life is. And we're going to have to dig down and get a hold of the spiritual flow of God so we don't fall by the wayside as so many things come along and deceive us. We have to be careful because even churches will deceive you today. And they get worse and worse at it because they want to adjust to their lifestyle, so to speak. The Philistines symbolize demonic powers and spiritual adversaries who bring into our lives impurities that, that block the flow of the living water. There is only one purpose for me preaching this sermon tonight, and that is this, in be, in be, to begin in anyone here a hunger or a thirst. If I can just cause one person here tonight to start having a hunger and a thirst after God, then I will have served my time well because we have got to get hungry and we have got to get thirsty for God or else the flow won't come. If we don't get hungry and thirsty for a move of God, there won't be a move of God. If we don't get hungry and thirsty for a touch of God, then there won't be a touch of God. Matthew 5 and 6 said, Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Give him a praise in the house. Hallelujah. That we might become hungry and thirsty for God's righteousness. Number one, the former wells. The wells that our fathers dug. I, I like to look back. Sort of at, at times at the eight-month revival, Sister Ruth. Now, many of you here never was part of that or heard about or whatever. The eighth-month revival, we just moved out of gym, just had this auditorium built, and eight, a revival broke out because the ladies got together and going to have a one-night service and going to have Sister Brewer and Sister Johnson do the talking. Then they decided the last minute, we'll invite the men to come with us. I guess it was a God thing because it went for eight months. Set for one night and went for eight months. And I like to think back about that revival because it stirs my spirit to get hungry and thirsty for another move, another river of God. That eight-month revival was gone. It was for that generation. It was for the people then. It was for their needs then. Ours today may be totally different. But I can tell you one thing. God's not through giving out blessings. God's not finished with giving out an outpouring, an overflow of his power and that's what we need even oh we had a great service this morning and we have great services every Sunday morning but hear me we need something to happen in Blyville Arkansas that won't only stir pathway but hit a stir Trinity hit a stir First Baptist hit a stir the whole city to a move of God and then we'll see a change in our city of the things we'd like to see amen Growing up, as a, growing up as a young man, my mom and dad handed down to me their faith in God. They, t- they provided a spiritual place for me to begin. And my earnest prayer every day is, God, help me as long as you let me live on this earth. Help me to set an example before my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. I pray for every one of them. Every time I pray, I call their name by name in prayer all the way down to the, to the, to the um, great-grandchildren. And they keep increasing. <laughs> I don't have one goal 
left in my life, and that is to set an example to them that they will have a desire to follow in my footsteps. They discovered my mom and dad. They discovered an overflow of God's life-giving water in a free will Baptist revival. They were three will, free will Baptist members. Dad would tell me of the moves of God in their early 30s. Those early wells had good water in them. However, over time, a lot of stuff fell in these wells. So, so it is with our personal lives. Over time, things get wrong. Over time, things get bad. Over time, things happen. We take on a lot of stuff. We take on hurts. We take on pains. We have not been able to deal with. Pastors fall by the wayside as a result of too much stuff. Pastors' wives fall by the wayside as a too much stuff has gotten loaded on them. There are so many reasons why these things happen. They're never, they're never good. They always make us sad and always are painful and always hurt. But understand these things don't happen overnight. They didn't get up one morning and it was all wrong. Things happen over a period of time and you can sit right here in this church called Pathway Church of God and they can sing these awesome songs that they sing every time they get up to sing and do this awesome job that they do every time they get up and do it but you can still die and go to hell if you don't release yourself to digging in and searching your own heart and desiring your own flow of God in your own life when when Trina run around this building this morning. It was a breakthrough for her. It was a breakthrough for her. But hear me. The breakthrough won't last. The breakthrough won't be all there is to it. There has to be more to it. You have to dig down deep and get a hold of something you never had before in order to hold out on the rough days. Hold out on the bad days. Oh God give us a new flow. Oh God give us a new hunger. Oh God give us a new thirst for the things of God. For the things that brings us the things that we need to be brought into when God sent the Holy Ghost to mom and dad in the Free Will Baptist Revival. They didn't know what in the world was going on and what was taking place. They were so shallow in the Word of God. I don't mean this to be bad, but they were so shallow in the Word of God, they decided demons had fallen into the church and took an over and took possession of these people that had been members of the Free Will Baptist Church all their life because the Holy Ghost met in a mighty way and this just came in and slain a whole crowd of them on the sawdust floor and filled them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which had never been preached to them, which had never heard of. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about a special move of God, and that's what we have to have in our present day. We need a special move of God like we've never seen in our present time in order to move this country we're living in. It's going to take more than a sermon on Sunday morning. It's going going to take more than a song on Sunday morning. It's going to take some real deep prayer meetings uh, in order until it stirs us to the depth of our soul and we release the power of God in this country. What do we do when the spiritual plow flow stops? Pray. That's a digging tool is prayer. Digging the wells. Redigging the wells. John said 738, and I'm reading from the Living Bible. The scriptures declare that rivers of living water shall flow from the inner 
most being of anyone who believes in me. Jesus said it's possible for rivers of water to flow from the innermost being of any of us. But if the well stops up, there is no flow. If the well stops up, there can be no flow. While I was still at home, my dad announced to us five boys that the family well had to be redug because the water supply had been shut off to almost nothing and we couldn't get enough water. So he said, boys, he said, we're going to have to get together on Saturday. We're going to have to redig this well and see what's got it stopped up, see what's got the water supply stopped. After years of good water, it now did not give the same. And what we discovered was the stuff we pulled out of that old well was unbelievable. When we started digging, we realized it had halfway filled up. It wasn't even but half deep as it was when we started out drawing water out of it. And we got it dug back to the bottom again. You know, there wasn't nothing wrong with the water in the well. Y'all missed that. There wasn't nothing wrong with the water in the well. It was the stuff that got in the well. Nobody purposely put it in there. It just got in there. Nobody purposely come along and said, I'm going to see if I can destroy your salvation. It just got in there over time. Just this and that and the other got in the well. The only answer to getting back to where we could drink that water freely again, wash our clothes and do everything we had to do, we had to redig the well. And what we had to get out of it was stuff that had gotten in it. Not stuff that nobody put in it. It just fallen in there somewhere along the way. That's the same way it is with, with your life and with my life. Over time, things just get in the well. Over time, things just happen to us. Over time, things just come our way that hurts us, that bothers us. Things happen in our churches even. Things happen between brothers and, and between sisters. There's not anything wrong with the water that's in your well. It's just got stuff in it. It just got stuff in it and it don't flow like it once did. Number three, the third point I want to make is we can have an overflow. We can have an overflow. It don't have to stay stopped up. When we begin to clean out the old well and put aside things like strife, like bitterness, like unbelief, like immoral thoughts and actions, hardness of heart, jealousy, and go after the Holy Ghost, we will see a breakthrough. I don't mean I don't mean going after the Holy Ghost just to have a shout. I mean going after the Holy Ghost to have a breakthrough that we not only have a shout, but we have a move of God that will reach further than our church. We have a move of God that will reach further than our pews. The questions are, how hungry are we for the river of God? How hungry are we? Are we fed up? Are we with the way it is? Are we fed up with the way it is? Are we tired of the way it is? Do we want more of God than what we have? That's the question tonight. Acts 1, beginning with verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to uttermost end of the earth. I believe with all of my heart tonight, church, we need a rebaptizing of heaven's Holy Ghost that changes man from inside out. Acts 1 and 2 said, Now when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord. Oh, God, help us to get together in our church at Pathway and see a move of God. You see, everybody that comes on Sunday morning don't have to get this get this place. But all of us who are the rock bed of this church has to get it. All of us who are the foundation of this church has to get it. All of us who are the solid part of this church has to get a hunger and a thirst, has to get in one accord, has to get in one place. I don't have the ability to bring people to a place of hunger, but the Holy Ghost does. I don't have the ability to bring people to a place of changing their life and turning around, but the Holy Ghost does. 120 went to the upper room out of thousands who followed Jesus, but they were hungry for the promise of God, and this 120 turned the world upside down because of their dedication to go after God. Acts 2 and 3 said, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and it set up on each of them. The Holy Ghost don't care what the name is on the front door. The Holy Ghost don't care what your name is. All the Holy Ghost is is seeking for a person who's hungry and thirsty for God, looking for a vessel who's hungry and thirsty for God. Yes, we got all kind of churches in Blyville, Arkansas, but oh, if we could have a move of the Spirit and power of God to start healing folks, start slaying folks, start feeling folks, start taking folks off and drug addicts uh, and taking them out of the out of the place of supporting the drugs uh, all in our city. That'd be a change. That'd be a move. It wouldn't matter what the name of the church was, whether it was Baptist or Pentecost or Presbyterian or whatever. All we do is be hungry for God to do it again, Lord. Do more of it, Lord. That's my prayer tonight. Mom and Dad were at the Free Will Baptist Revival out of hunger for God and for the Holy Ghost. And he showed up. It's set up on each of them. Not upon the apostles. Not upon certain favored persons. But on each one because they were together in one place. Hungry. Dad said that the Holy Spirit came to the Free Will Church in the form of of a fireball. He said he was sitting on, I think, if my memory served me correctly, the third row from the front of the chairs. It was a tent. They were on sawdust having a tent revival in Chicora, Mississippi. And he said, all of a sudden, a ball of fire began to float from one wall of the tent across the front row of chairs to the other side. And said, as it moved across, said they just fell out in the floor. Said he didn't know what was going on. He never seen nothing like that before in his life. He was 25 years old at the time. Mama was only 15. They got married. She was young. And, and, and he said then it went back to the other side, just bounced off the wall, went to the other side, went right down the second row, and said they all wound up in the floor. 
And he said, well, I don't know what's going to happen now because I'm on the third, third row. Said it started coming down through there. He said, when I come to myself, I was in the floor. He said, I don't know when I got in the floor, but I was in the floor. But said, what disturbed me was mama. Said she was laying over our flat of her back and said she was talking in a language I'd never heard before. And said, I thought something was bad wrong with her. Carried her home on the wagon that night. It was three or four miles away that they drove in the wagon and a horse. And when he got home, he carried mama in and put her to bed and she was still talking in that heavenly language. When he woke up the next morning, mama was still talking in that heavenly language. As far as I know, she went to heaven talking in that heavenly language even though the Free Will Baptist Church told her they're going to turn her out of the church unless she denied it. She said, I'll never deny it as long as day as I live, Baptist Church or not. And they turned her out. That's how I got in the church of God. <laughs> they the only one except us crazy folks. God send another ball of fire. Let it move again, Lord. Let it begin, Lord, at pathway. You say, well, Brother Regan, don't you think we're pretty good compared to some? I'm not comparing myself to some. I'm comparing myself to Jesus. And in the face of that, I'm not too good. I need more. I need a closer walk. I need a closer fellowship of God Almighty. I don't know when I started. So I don't know what good that's going to do me. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Number four, closing, how will the overflow come? I believe the wind is ready to blow again in God's church. I'm ready to hear the sound of the wind of the Spirit blowing. We heard it during the eight-month revival. Not only did we hear it wind blow, we heard the rain. Not only did we hear the rain and folks would go outside to see if it was really raining or not, to discover it was as dry as it could be, but it was raining inside. Not only did we hear the rain, but we saw the smoke as it filled this house Filled this sanctuary. Oh, it was wonderful days. But hear me. Them days won't do for today. Them days won't do for today. We got to have today's experience. In order for things to change, the mighty wind of the Holy Ghost must come. It will come when we have revival and prayer. Let me now take you back to where we begin. With the enemy of God, the Philistines in Second Samuel. David was anointed king. The enemy came and surrounded them in Second Samuel chapter 5. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, You shall not go up to, to fight against the enemy at this time this way. He said, But circle around behind them and come up them come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. So it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly, for then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the enemies. You see, the wells were dug because the land was dry. God, if there's ever been a day when we need some wells dug, spiritual wells I'm talking about in our land, in our churches, it's today. We can hear the 
another sound in the mulberry trees and we can begin a march. The enemy comes in and stops at the wells of living water and the soul goes dry. The prayers go dry. The sermons go dry. The teachings goes dry. There's this dryness all around us. It's time to dig a new well. I just might preach yet if you let me. It's time to dig a new well. Thank God for the old wells. I wouldn't take nothing from mine. But it's time to dig a new well. We're now at a new time in history. We're now at a new age in history. God's ready to do a new thing. I believe that with all my heart. Daddy didn't have to deal with what people deal with today. Daddy never saw a cell phone, whatever that is. Wish I knew how to operate mine. It's so hot now, I probably need to lay it down over there in case it catches on fire. Daddy never run a computer. I can't even hardly talk to my grandchildren. They're so stinking smart. But they're just smart in what they're smart in. I'd like to see them chip a turpentine tree. (laughs) Thank God for the old wells. But I got enough sense to know we need a new well to reach this generation. In Genesis 26, 19, Isaac came along. He redug them old wells and named them the same thing his father named them. They got lots of water, but you remember the enemy came and fought over them wells, and he'd have to move to another well and redig it. They fought over them wells until they took them wells all away from Isaac. Even I tree redug them. They took them old wells away from him. And the Bible said, Isaac dug in the valley and found a well of springing water there. Now what that means in an old country boy's language like mine, he found a gully washer. He found an overflow. He didn't have to draw water. It came out on its own. And the Bible said the enemy didn't fight for it. Now the only thing I can think about was that it was such a good stream of water that Isaac would have died for it. And what I'm thinking tonight is if we can find this gusher, if we can find this overflow, We'll have the battle won with our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. But hear me, I feel bad tonight for my great-grandkids. They're never going to know a miracle that Papa knew it. And if things continue as they are, and I hate to, I hate to speak of negative, but if things continue as they are, they'll never know the church of God that Papa knew. But thanks be unto God, there's still some prayer warriors left in the land. 
God's going to have a remnant. There's people still hungry. There's people still thirsty. There's still people willing to dig a well. To dig a well. As, as, as a church I grew up in, there was a member in that church who was, who was we would have called him rich, but he wasn't really rich, but he just had more than the rest of us. He had money enough to drill wells. And he had seen these artesian wells, meaning simply that it just flowed on its own. It just come out of the ground and run down the hill. You put a pipe in it and raise a pipe up high as you want to and just flow the pipe and just run down the hill. Artesian. Overflow. And he wanted one of them at his house. They couldn't find one at his house. So he said, get in front of the house, down the hill there and try it. I don't know how many wells they dug. But one day those guys digging them wells right in front of his house where he sat in his rocking chair and rocked back and forth every day when he come in from work looking across his pasture and at those white um, Bramer cattle that looked so pretty in a green pasture. All of a sudden, the water shot out of there, shot up in the air. They had hit a gusher. As long as I lived, that water run down that hill and the cows drank from it. As it run down the hill, it never quit running. I don't know if it still runs today, but I'm talking about tonight a new well. God, let us find us a new well. Let us dig us some new wells. I'll give you a little illustration. I'm closing. Come to the music, please. Get ready to sing something. Pray something. Way back when I was pastoring in Fayetteville, I was holding a revival in Harrison, Arkansas. The pastor there was named A.L. Query. He's gone on now to be with the Lord, but... Brother Query was one of those types old-time preachers. He was an old-time preacher, and I was a young boy when I went and helped him revival. And uh, he was like my daddy more than anything. He was old enough like that. And Brother Query would get happy in the Lord. It was just amazing to watch him when he'd get happy in the Lord. Me and him was out praying in the church one day, and we sat down on the altar, and we was talking, and he said, Brother Rigney, I was saying something to him about I just enjoy watching you worship, Brother Query. You just thrill me to death when you get happy in the Lord. He said, Brother Rigney, it wasn't always that way. He said, it's only been the last few years that I'm that way in my old age. He said, it wasn't that way always. I said, what do you mean? He said, I got dry. I got dry in the Lord. He said, I still preach it. He said, I kept pastoring churches. But said, I didn't have no move of God in my life. And said, I come to Harrison, I wanted to see something happen at the church, but said, we're just dying. And said, I got to praying out here one day. And said, and I prayed, and I prayed, nothing happened. Said, I went on back to the house. He said, while I was sitting in the house, said, I said to myself, A.L. Query, said, it's time to pray through. Now, if you don't understand that terminology, you'd have to be back my age. That's what the old church folks used to say when they got dry. Sister Lawson, when they didn't have tears in their eyes, when they didn't have runaway like this morning, and it was all still and stuffy, they said, we got to pray through. And they, they said they was going to pray through. They meant they was going to pray through. They was going to pray until a breakthrough come. Brother Query said, I'm going to pray through. I'm not going to live like this any longer. He said, I'm going to, you know, he read the scripture in the Bible, said get in your secret closet, you know, and close the door and pray. 
And so he took it literally. He went and cleaned the closet out and got in it and shut the door behind him. So he said, I started praying. He said, I prayed. He said, I don't really know how long I prayed, Brother Rigney. But he said, I prayed until that closet got too little. He said, I come out of that closet. He said, I got in the bedroom. He said, I kept on a praying. And he said, I prayed until that, that bedroom got too small and I got out in the living room. He said, and I prayed until that living room got too small and I went out the front door. He said, I got in the yard between me and the highway and the church. And he said, I prayed until I had to say, God, you're going to have to shut it off. I can't take no more. I can't stand no more. He said, I've been overrunning ever since. He said, every time a spirit of God moves, he said, you don't have to tell me to say amen. He said, I'm already jumping and a hollering and a crying and a praying. Well, let me tell you something tonight. Just as old brother Quarry prayed through that act of spirit, it's the same thing we can do. Yes, we don't have to be satisfied with just enough of doers. Uh, that this morning we had, it will be something we'll talk about throughout this week. But I can I tell you, if, if I was a betting man, I'd bet on it, but I'm not a betting man. But can I tell you, you'll come back here next Sunday morning. You'll come back here next Sunday morning, and you'll have to be primed all over again. Say amen. It don't hurt. Hello? They'll have to come back here next Sunday morning and prime us all over again. Do you know what happened this morning that hadn't been happening? Katrina, she had prayed through before she got to church days ago. And when she come through the door, she was so wound up until all you had to do is sing one good song. And every song turned her loose. Hello? And when you got on that break them chains, Hey, you'd have run like that too if you'd have had chains on you all the time. You couldn't get loose from them no matter how hard you tried. But all of a sudden they're loose from you. Hello. Oh, I got to stop. I know y'all tired of me ranting on and on. I'm just saying it's not too late to have the greatest church in this hour we live in. It's not too late to see things turn around in Bible, Arkansas. There's still some good folks in this town. There's still some good people living. There's still a plenty of good people. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray before we get to church on Sunday morning. Let's pray up before we get here on Sunday morning so we're ready to jump if they say anything. I had a saddle horse. And if there was any one good thing about that saddle horse, I didn't have to spur him to get him to move. I didn't have to say, get up. I didn't have to slap him on the side. I didn't have to whip him with the reins. All I had to do is reach up and take a hold of the horn of the saddle. And if I didn't have the line pulled as tight as I could across the saddle with his chin pulled under his neck, he'd have left me halfway in the saddle. All I had to do was get a hold of the horn of the saddle and sit down and turn the rope loose. And we was gone as fast as he could run. That's what I'm talking about. Let's pray through enough that any time the Spirit of God moves, we're gone. We're ready. 
Stand up. Let's get ready to pray. I don't know what they're going to sing, but sing it. And let's come pray. What am I going to pray? Let's pray, God, give me a hunger. Give me a new thirst. Give me a new desire for God. I don't mean in this all that I'm talking about that we've got to have a demonstration. I mean in this I'm talking about there's such a deep presence and a deep place of God in your life that there is nothing that can turn you around. There is nothing that can rob you. There is nothing that slip up on your blind side and trick you into falling into the way of sin as so many are doing today. We can make it. We can make it to heaven. We can be pure. We can keep our families together. But we've got to pray. Come, would you? And pray.